Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers. What's up, everyone? It's John Lee here, also known as The Property Shark. Welcome back to another episode of the On The Rise podcast. Today, our guest is Kimmy. She is the founder of Whisk Matcha, um, and I can't wait to dive into her journey with all of you. So, Kimmy, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, and Kimmy, why don't you give people a quick introduction about yourself? Okay. Um, so yeah, so my name is Kimmy. Um, I'm the business owner of Whisk Premium Matcha. Um, it's a premium Japanese matcha company based in Vancouver. Um, our um, teas are mostly from Kyoto, Japan, um, and we're getting some more um, from the, the other region down south. Um, so yeah, so I've been doing this for about four years now. Um, it started as a byproduct um, of my son. Um, so after I had my son, I decided to do something on my own. So um, I always a big fan of matcha. My dad used to work in Japan uh, when I was little. So I always traveled to Japan to visit him. And I think that planted a little seed uh, in my heart. So, and I also see there are lots of uh, attractions um, coming in for uh, health products. So I think it will be a good time um, to have a brand that's advocating for a health and fitness industry, as well as um, also it just, I love matcha. It's also my passion. So I wanted to learn more and I want to share um, this with everyone in Vancouver. That's amazing, Kimmy. And so you mentioned that when you had your son, um, you had the idea of kind of doing something on your own relating to your passion. Um, before that, before you had a child, your first child, you know, what were you working a job? Yeah, actually, my son was my second child. I had my first one when I was really, really young. So she's pretty like independent now going to uh, teenage years. Um, but yeah, I was working in hospitality industry. Um, so I worked for the Fairmont Waterfront um, for about seven years and then moving to um, other hotels in Richmond, mostly doing catering sales. Um, so I do have some, you know, uh, restaurant and hotel management experience. I think that really um, it gave me the advantage now when we're opening a cafe um, that really helpful, you know, for me to know the operation, at least from some point, not 100% yet, um, but that definitely helps. And Kimmy, do you always have an, a passion for business and entrepreneurship? I, I know you mentioned earlier your dad used to work in Japan and so you'd fly out to, to visit him. Um, what do you say that was kind of the, the early spark and interest in business as well from, from your dad? 
Um, not necessarily. My dad was in um, computer engineer, and he works for uh, quite a large established company in Japan at the time. Um, sorry. Um, so I always. Um, I don't want to do some do like business in my early years because I didn't think I was ready. Um, and you know, the comfort zone when you're having like a regular time that you know you're going to work eight to five today, um, you can plan your uh, time around it. It really gives you a sense of like belonging as well. Um, so I really didn't have any like entrepreneur, you know, um, plans um, during my earlier years. It's really, I think, when it's ready, so I never really push myself. So when I think I'm ready, when I have the urge of you know, getting out of my comfort zone, uh, not going back to uh, my golden handcuff, you know, uh, the hotel industry, actually the benefits are pretty well. Uh, the pay is pretty good. Um, it's really something I also enjoy to do, uh, but really lack of flexibility. And I think I really want to enjoy uh, more time uh, with my younger one. Um, and now looking back, not necessarily it gives me a lot of <laughs> extra time because when business really getting picked up, uh, I need to be here like 24-7 pretty much, you know, answering uh, phone calls, emails and looking for suppliers. So, um, but it's really something I've never, you know, looked back and regret. I really um, love the decision that I made. I, I really loved hearing that from you, Kimmy, because nowadays I feel like there's so much opportunity online um, in terms of starting your own business and, and around entrepreneurship. It's a pretty hot topic. So a lot of people, they, they kind of want to just jump into it, mm. um, but they might not be ready, meaning yeah. they might not you know have the, some money saved up or they might not mm. be mentally prepared for, for the journey ahead. So they kind of rush into it and it wasn't really mm -hmm. for them when they should have yeah. maybe be more patient and started later. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've never been like a very super ambitious. Um, I just want to do something really start small, like we're still quite small at this time. Uh, so I know like a lot of younger people, they, um, think, you know, starting a business is pretty cool and they, they can become a millionaire, you know, overnight. <laughs> um, so my intention was never to make money. Um, I mean, my husband works and he supports a lot of, you know, um, the family. So um, this is more like my hobby. Um, I think it has to start from your heart. And then, you know, financially, if it's become one more rewarding, that's a bonus. Um, so I always um, keep a good you know value and vision for my brand as well and uh, money always not my priority i have to have a very very good product um i have to still have the passion if one day i'm like okay i'm done with it <laughs> i couldn't feel any sparkle <laughs> you know in matcha i'm not gonna you know force myself um to keep doing this and when did your passion for matcha start uh, quite early when I, when, I, when I was little. I think it started with, you know, matcha desserts. Like, I think most of the people are. They're going to uh, Sujiri, you know, they mm -hmm. go to Nana's Green Tea because they see the matcha parfait and cakes, that kind of stuff. I think I started from there as well, like matcha Kit Kat. Um, 
And then uh, looking into the health benefits of it, I think it's a good fit um, for people living in Vancouver. And then I started on a very dangerous route going into like high-end matcha. matcha. Um, I travel across Japan and taste like so many amazing matcha that I've never tasted in my life before. Um, it's nothing to do with cakes or <laughs> cats. Um, it's just like straight up matcha. Just it's 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 amazing. Um, I mean, a lot of people they don't really understand because it's very different from what they think what matcha should you know taste like. Um, but they say it's something completely new. So um, now I think after two years of me being in business, I shift our direction uh, to focus on uh, competition grade. Uh, matcha and really know the differences, you know, between each grade. Um, I think that as more knowledge um, for me and that you're more confident to share uh, with my customers, my audience. Um, so I don't just look it up on the internet, whatever other people say, I say it. It has to from my own firsthand source and I witness, I know what's going on and then I can tell people, okay, this is what's going on, you know, in the tea farm and in the tasting, everything. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that's amazing, Kimmy. And take me through a little bit about maybe some of the health benefits of matcha, because I'm sure a lot of people, like you said, they, they get the first taste of matcha usually through dessert or ice cream or pastries mm -hmm. or cakes, but they don't really know about the health benefits of it. Um, yeah, so my customers, I can divide them actually into three uh, groups. Um, so the foodies usually go after the cakes and, and desserts. Uh, the second group, uh, usually there are the um, health and fitness um, advocates. So they usually enjoy, they put matcha into like smoothies and yogurt. Um, so matcha is very high in antioxidants, um, very high in chlorophyll because it's shade grown. So it reduces photosynthesis during the shading uh, process. So that preserves a lot of chlorophyll in the tea leaves. So uh, chlorophyll can help us detox and cleanse. Um, and matcha is also a uh, very high fiber because other than um, instead of regular green tea, you brew in hot water and you chuck the leaves, uh, you're actually losing 80% of the nutrients um, that's mm. in the tea leaves. So with matcha, we uh, dry, uh, devein the tea leaf and then grind into very, very fine powder. So you're actually consuming the entire tea leaves. Um, so that to give you uh, 10 times more nutrients than the regular green tea. And I mean, green tea is already healthy. So matcha is a lot healthier um, than that. And also from the caffeine uh, perspective, because a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the jittery and crash that associated with um, caffeine overconsumption. Uh, so matcha give you a very sustained, very calmly uh, focused energy uh, three to six hours. So that's why Buddhists you drink that um, during their meditation like centuries ago. So also people, they say, okay, is matcha like a new thing? <laughs> I'm like, no, it's actually been around for, you know, like <laughs> a thousand years. <laughs> um, so it is really revived. Um, the culture there. Like during my trip to Japan, I realized actually the younger people are all going after the Starbucks, you know, the cool coffee shops. They don't actually drink 
uh, matter that much. Um, and I think in country like people here, they started appreciating the calming effects that matcha has. And also uh, with the rise of yoga, uh, meditation, I think it's a very good pair. And for matcha, most people just consume it, you know, either through a food that they eat or a drink that they put into. But um, is there a way to, to really taste matcha and, and learn to appreciate it for what it is? Um, yeah, I mean, um, you definitely need to get the right grade for drinking straight up. Um, and this is usually for the tea connoisseurs who already, first of all, they have to like tea. Um, so we've done the lots of like trade shows and markets. So when people come and approach us, usually the first question I would ask, do you drink tea, right? Um, in particularly green tea. So if they already have the palette that's set up for green tea, they usually would um, easier to take on like a matcha straight up. So without adding any milk or sugar to it. Um, if they're like, no, you know, I've never really actually have it, I would recommend them to start with like a matcha latte or simply use it as a supplement um, add to their smoothies. And from there on, you know, once people get a taste of matcha, um, how, how can they start? How do people start if, if they want to get into matcha? What do you recommend just drinking green tea first? Um, and then you said moving on to maybe smoothies or adding it a little bit? Yeah, so I also asked them what's the purpose of them wanting to drink matcha, right? There are so many superfoods nowadays and I'm not a nutritionist or anything. So um, I usually like to go from the reason if they really want to just the health benefits. Yeah, you know, do whatever you want to add to your smoothies. And if you like the taste, great, um, go for like a matcha latte. Uh, but if they want to learn, um, about the taste of it, like the real, like the real thing, um, then I would just tell them like, first of all, they have to have the tools. They have a bamboo whisk, they have half a bowl, and also they have to have a mindset. Like this is a really Zen moment. This is something, um, it's a time that you spend with yourself. Um, it's not just a cup of tea, it's more like an experience. Um, like even for me, uh, life could be very hectic sometimes, so I don't get to spend time with myself. Um, so having, preparing the matcha in like traditional way really give me the time, uh, allowing me to excuse me from all other things. I can just focus on what I do. And it's really meditating. It's uh, give me a lot of mind clarity when I'm uh, drinking matcha. So um, if people are into um, the straight up matcha, um, also what we call um, the ceremonial uh, way of drinking matcha, then I can talk like for hours. <laughs> um, because there are the different cultivars that taste different. So very similar to wine. So usually people, if they understand a little bit of wine, then I would start from that. And like there are so many different wines on the market. There's the $10 bottle, there's the $10,000 bottle. Mm. What are the differences, right? Uh, so the terroir, uh, the regions, the weather, the cultivar, uh, harvesting method, that all gonna have a huge impact on the actual taste of it. 
Um, and not necessarily there's one better than the other, uh, but they are substantially different. And it's really, really interesting to explore that. Um, that's why I also host, well, not right now, but I used to host uh, matcha tasting on uh, Airbnb experiences. And so people traveling across the world, they come to Vancouver and they saw my experience. Um, they are just so intrigued to learn something that you know they've never thought to be. And yeah, some people, they uh, try the first time and they're not quite so impressed uh, because it's not something they're expecting. Uh, because high-grade matcha is very savory, very mellow, uh, soupy, uh, like seaweedy. Not everybody like seaweed, even though I don't understand. And I'm a huge fan of seaweeds. Uh, but um, some people, they do. And they um, attend my um, tea tasting because they know matcha a little bit and they want to learn more. And also get their hands on the high-grade, high the competition-grade matcha. That, that's wonderful. Like it, it, it almost feels like there's, there's a, a whole, it, you open up a whole new world of tasting matcha and appreciate it um, above and beyond just consuming it. So I think that would be really cool to check out once this situation is all sorted out and, yeah. you know, to, to go explore it right through. You would mm -hmm. do, like you said, you host explore uh, matcha tasting ses uh, sessions on Airbnb mm -hmm. for people to have the opportunity to try it out to see if, if it's right for them. Mm -hmm. um, and if they are interested, like you said, there's a whole lot more that, that they have to learn about. Um, but I feel like it gives people a, a good start um, as to where to start if they want to learn about matcha. So that's mm -hmm. great. Um, you mentioned a little bit about the different grading. Like you said, there's high grade, there's competition grade. Um, how, I guess the, how would the average person know like kind of what grade of matcha to consume? If that's a valid mm, question. Not much, not much. I, that's, yeah, usually the first question I ask. I'm like, do you know what are the difference? I'm like, no, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, matcha, it is still a very, actually a small segment of the market compared to coffee. Like I think coffee is um, having a really good thing in Vancouver, especially the pour over. I think that also encouraged people to experience it not just like you press a button at home and then you can have a cup of coffee. So I think it's the same um, philosophy here, right? Um, uh, usually people start, you know, um, drinking it. They're like, okay, can I have a matcha latte? Because they see more value in the milk and sugar <laughs> than the actual tea itself. Um, I think that's the problem like I had before. I'd rather pay like $8 for a crappy bubble tea um, than paying like $5 for a clear high-grade tea because I think it's not like filling uh, in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, there are actually quite a bit of difference um, in um, the grading. Um, I think mostly people familiar with like the ceremonial grade, the culinary grade, um, either from like Costco or like Amazon, uh, Davis tea. So those are like pretty standard, like a westernized um, grading system. Uh, there's like no such thing like ceremonial grade in Japan uh, because each tea farm, they have their own tea master, uh, they have their own grader. So they determine uh, how much the pricing is. And sometimes it fluctuates with the market too. Mm. Uh, so not necessarily uh, very expensive tea 
could be has to be ceremonial. Um, and also depending on the processing methods, um, the cost is different and that will affect the, the market price as well. Um, yeah, so I, I know the, the good thing is at least people are, people are getting aware um, of the different grades and people are starting to appreciate the different grades, uh, but not necessarily they want to splurge $100 on like a 30 gram matcha. Um, but that's why I want to add my service to it. So for example, for the tea tasting, um, I charge $75 per person. Uh, so it's not that they are just trying, trying, you know, like three shots of matcha. It also comes with, you know, a service and experience that I provide to the guests. Um, so I think that really elevates the value of matcha too and get people um, to get a head start on that. Hope that's that absolutely. answer your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because you know, I'm just kind of thinking about uh, an, the average person who's kind of starting off on on this journey of appreciating matcha more. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's it's good to know that there's different grading systems in place. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's more important to learn about the experience of enjoying it. Like you were mm -hmm. kind of saying, it's. It, it, it allows you the opportunity to have time with yourself, you know, when you make matcha, um, the ceremonial way versus just pressing a button or, you know, waiting for the machine to make your drink for you. So I think that experience is what is valuable to people. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I feel like that way people will learn to appreciate it more. And again, with the pour over coffee and stuff, I think matcha is really starting to trend upwards. And, and I see a lot of people like getting into it more. Yeah, um, definitely. I can see one um, more people are getting, um, they're like quitting, you know, the, um, the caffeine, you know, the jittery and, and spike. Um, and I mean, for me, um, I still drink coffee, like I have no problem with coffee at all. And I appreciate like high grade coffee as well. Um, so it depends on my mood. Someday if I'm really like, dreading i'm like okay i i need to have some really really good coffee to get started um but then going into you know the afternoon time i usually like still to like to have my matcha and i don't have matcha straight up all the time i love to make it into lattes like a mocktail or like cocktail sometimes um just to uh, play around it it's a really nice it's so that's why matcha is very versatile you can make into a lot of things, um, not just like big goods, but also like drinks. Um, so for our um, upcoming cafe, we have like substantial um, large menu of matcha drinks, not just like latte and straight up, but also like matcha lemonade, you know, like a matcha mango smoothie. So I play around with it and see what flavor uh, pairs um, the best with each other. That's really amazing, Kimmy. And I, I want to dive into um, your cafe that you're you're opening soon. But before we get into that, I, I'm curious to to find out how the name Whisk Matcha came about. How did you come <laughs> okay. up with the name? It took me like half a year <laughs> just to um, find. It's really, really, really tough. It's a lot harder than I thought. I have like this thick of stack of paper, um, just like sketching on it, brainstorming. We tried like a hundred different versions of the logo. 
Um, I think because I really like the bamboo whisk, uh, I think that's a very, very special thing because it's all handmade, it's beautiful. Um, and you have to have this bamboo whisk if you want to have a, a full matcha experience. So that's why I started with whisk, the word. It's now looking back, it's a little bit hard to pronounce, but I still couldn't think of another word. Um, and then uh, the logo took me quite a long time too. Uh, so it's like a half shape of the whisk, but that making to like a rectangular uh, and it's black and white, so it's easier. It saved me a lot of money on printing. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I think it works well. It really aligns with my value and aiming for something really premium in quality. Um, and I think it's um, from the feedback from people, it really stands out um, uh, in that sense. So, yeah, it, it's not easy to come up with something, <laughs> but uh, it's working. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the bamboo whisk. Is there a proper name for it? And um, why is it so important? Um, yeah, so it's called Chasen. I always have a whisk near me, but this is not a very good one, but okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so in Japanese, it's called Chasen. Um, so it's a handmade from uh, one piece of bamboo. Um, so they cut off um, the different length of the bamboo depending on um, what kind of whisk they want to make. So if it's like a long handle bamboo um, that we have, they usually cut a bit longer. Um, and then they usually like hollow the center first. Um, so bamboo, it's, it gets very flexible when they um, soak in hot water. So the artisan, when they're making it, they usually just soak it in hot water for a long time. So it becomes very soft. And then they start like cutting like half um, into like wider um, pieces. And then, um, so in the middle, when they finish, they usually make a little twist. Um, so it become like a knot, that means it's a new one. And when they use it, you soak in hot water again, and then the center will start to get loosened up. So they call it a bloom. So it's just like a flower. You start with a little bat and then uh, bloom to become a flower. Um, so yeah, so everything is all handmade. Um, it, usually when you say Japanese artisan, uh, it's actually a very, very serious word. Um, they have to spend, you know, five to eight years to learn, um, another three to five years to um, become an apprentice, and then they can move on um, on their own. So similar to becoming a doctor. So it's like Sometimes it's also like a family uh, generation pass down thing. They have to keep doing this. If your father is an uh, chasen artisan or if your grandpa is a chasen artisan, uh, then you have no choice but keep doing this. So similar with um, tea cultivation in Japan too. Um, I've known quite a few tea farmers. Um, they, of course, their family is tea farmer, but they give them the freedom of going um, overseas if you wanna see the world, you know, explore, learn another language. But um, by the time you're about like 30 or 40-ish, they have to come back to Japan and then take over the tea farm because the um, older generations, you know, are not phys physically able to continue to work. So they have to take over the family business. Um, so that's what I find is so amazing because 
it's really something that preserved generation. It's, um, you know, hundreds of years of experience that they refine. It's not something you can learn overnight. Like, oh, you know, I just grab a carving knife and start doing it. It's, it's, it's different because you have to have that experience, the knowledge um, to do something. Um, yeah, so amazingly. That, that's amazing how there's so much history um, in, in that whisk. Um, and uh, when you're, I guess, during the ceremonial tea sessions, you would use the whisk to grind up the, the powder or mix the powder with yeah, water? Yeah, mix the powder. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there are different types of whisk um, for different purposes. Mm. And basically, if you want to have matcha, you have to have a whisk. You can't use a fork. Not not just that I get defended, but also, um, but also um, it doesn't work. Like I have people trying with a spoon or a fork, um, then they should just get some like instant matcha or something. So you have to have a waist. Um, there are you know different pricing. It's not necessarily you have to get the most expensive one, uh, mm -hmm. but waist definitely uh, works a lot better than any other tools. So I still highly recommend for people want to have match at home, yeah, you invest in a whisk and properly take care of your whisk. <laughs> that's, that's amazing, Kimmy. Um, and so, you know, once you got your logo and your idea down, uh, how did you take that idea um, and implement it, you know, to, to start? Did you start off by going off to Japan first to visit the tea farms to learn about matcha? Or kind of how did you start? Because I feel like a lot of people, they have great ideas, but they don't know where to start. So they, they never start and they just <laughs> always push it off. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to start, um, especially, you know, in Vancouver, there are lots of supports uh, telling you how to register a business, how to get your business license. Um, but I think the most difficult thing is to sell your product. Because mm. when uh, I actually start with the idea of opening a cafe, but then I realized that I wasn't ready and something wrong, you know, with the lease. Um, so I didn't actually sign up for it in the end. Um, but I'm like, okay, since I already had this, you know, brand um, on hand, I'll just start an online business. So when people think about online business, I'm like, okay, I'll just sit at home and the order will start coming in and I start like packing. Uh, yeah, in the ideal world. <laughs> Of course, the first round of order come from my friends and family, you know, they're just being so uh, supportive as soon as my website launched. But then it just like really, really quiet <laughs> for like two months. I'm like, why are people not discovering my website? Like, you know, I just expecting it just like keep coming. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen. So I um, started looking into um, how to get my brand out there. Um, yeah, so I see one of the questions that you have for me is what would I have done differently uh, when I first started then now? Because back then, I was so in a rush to get my brands out there. I was desperate. So I hired a PR um, agency to uh, help me do a lot of outreach to the media. But I even didn't have a story to tell. <laughs> it's, the story is not attractive enough um, and I wasn't even ready to share any of my stories because um, I haven't really gone tea hunting in Japan. I simply just get some uh, connection through my dad. I get a shipment from Japan just to try it out. 
um, I did, you know, try quite a few different suppliers, but um, I guess I hasn't really tasted the real good thing yet. So they all taste pretty much the same. I just, you know, go for one of them. Um, so yeah, so it didn't, I wasn't really confident, to be honest, to tell people about my product. I keep searching on the internet, getting all the information, but it's just not convincing. So finally, on the second year, I'm like, I can't just keep doing this. It's embarrassing. Like I go to trade shows, people ask me a whole bunch of questions. I'm not able to give them the answer, right? Yeah, so on the second year, I packed up my bag. I'm like, okay, let's go to Japan and see what's going on there. So um, I travel there basically now every year uh, for uh, three to four weeks. So um, not this year, unfortunately, but <laughs> usually my website will be like costing for order for one month. Um, so I get a chance to really learn and visit different tea farms. Um, that really helped like tremendously. I come back, just feel like a new person. <laughs> like I can tell a lot of things you know about my journey about what i see over there and i finally understand how much hard work it takes into uh, making a cup of matcha um so yeah so i think my business really leaped after my trips because um we also changed the supplier um we become a farm direct uh, brand so and also, this farm just happened to be an award-winning farm, um, but I, I really, really appreciate um, their hard work in making high-grade organic matcha, because organic matcha is actually very hard to make. Um, most of the common organic brands, it's very substandard, because um, matcha is shade-grown, so it doesn't get enough energy from the sun. So it relies on the fertilizer in the soil. So that's why the real um, like competition grade, the first place and second place, even um, the eighth place, um, the winning matcha, they're non, all non-organic. They have to use quite of um, strong fertilizers to support the growth. Um, so this tea farm in particular, he doesn't want to use any uh, pesticide um, or strong industrial uh, fertilizer. So he blended his own uh, fertilizer, organic fertilizer. So that's a whole bunch of work into that. Um, most of other organic tea farms, because the price, they can really sell very expensive here. So they just buy the common, um, the standard, like the one from Home Depot or from Lowe's, those fertilizers just dump it in, uh, but they produce, you know, substandard uh, matcha, uh, which you cannot win any prizes uh, during the competition. Um, so yeah, so from that perspective, I have a lot to share. Um, I understand why organic matcha that I tried before, they don't really click you know, onto, onto my mind because they're all the same fertilizer producing the same, around the same quality of matter. So um, that's a pretty interesting discovery. Um, so yeah, I think if people have a passion for whatever it is, they have to take their time, you know, dig, put the investment in, right? Like a lot of people say, okay, you have a very low overhead cost uh, because it's the online, uh, right now it's the online uh, prices.
uh, but like for personal development, it is huge. It's a huge investment. And I'm also uh, working on uh, a key sommelier uh, certification. I have like two more courses to go. Um, and so that I will really um, add a lot of knowledge um, for myself to learn other tea other than matcha. So when people come for a recommendation, I feel more confident, you know, giving them some educated, you know, information um, on that as well. That's really amazing. And so from your trip in Japan, how did you discover these matcha farms? And was there a particular part of Japan that you that that focused on on uh, growing these, these yeah it's 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 very interesting so uh that the first time i went so that's my second year of the business um i tried to reach out to some contacts uh there so yeah they took me for some tours uh i think the third year is the most dramatic because i'm going to the point i go to google map zoom in see which one is the tea farm so I have all the dots on the map. So I just follow my Google map when I was in Japan and just, just go to those tea farms that's on the, some are open, some not open. Um, some feel not so comfortable, you know, just having me popping in. Um, Cause there's no way I can really uh, book appointments because they don't usually prepare for this. Um, and I also discovered in one of the regions in Japan, uh, so all of their tea, they have to sell to the government first, and then the government will process it and sell on their behalf. So they're not allowed to sell any outsiders. So yeah, so they are uh, very willing to share anything with me, but they can't sell anything to me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's all the experiences and yeah it's uh so that the third year is the most wild <laughs> one that i've ever had um but yeah people are so helpful they are uh they feel my passion <laughs> they feel you know uh my eagerness to learn so uh, sometimes you know the language barrier uh, my japanese sucks <laughs> so uh, but they are still very willing to uh, share through body language show me you know what they have uh, why they're doing this why the shading material is different than the other um yeah so it's a very interesting trip that's absolutely amazing so you know again what if people have a passion out there you know you just it takes a lot of hard work and dedication but even yourself like it's it's amazing how you were able to zoom into a google map just based off google maps find the tea farm and then just go visit them in person like you know who would have thought to, to, to yeah, do that I, so. I don't think i would do that again <laughs> it's 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 a hunting it's it's really yeah it's really hunting it's i i it's intimidating <laughs> now thinking back i'm really scared <laughs> and embarrassed too i don't think i would do that again <laughs> um but now i have my story to share right Absolutely. so um I wish I have done this before I start my brand. So when I hire the PR agency, I have more stories to tell. Uh, but again, go back to that question, I probably wouldn't have spent, you know, thousands of dollars on hiring an agency, whereas I have nothing to say. <laughs> um, so yeah, so now I'm 
personally, I'm the spokesperson um, for my brand because I know the best and I prefer that it come from me. Um, even probably will save me a lot of time, you know, to hire someone managing my social media platform, but I'm now still prefer to do everything uh, myself. So the message will never get, you know, twisted along the way. That's amazing, Kimmy. And you, you mentioned brands so many times. Um, I'm curious to, to, to hear what your, like how you would define your own brand. Mm, what do you mean define? Yeah. Like, so if, if you could dis- describe your, your own brand in, you know, a couple of words, you know, mm. how would you describe your own brand? Yeah, I would say we are a curator of high-end premium uh, Japanese matcha. Um, I think I define it that way because we have a lot of connections um, with tea farmers in Japan, like across from Japan, not just, of course, now mostly our matcha are from Kyoto. Um, is because that's how award-winning farm is and I have a strong relationship with them. Uh, but we also have relationship with other tea farms across. So if people really like, okay, I really like the matcha from Kagoshima, I'm able to source some for them. Or they're like, oh, I really like the matcha from Fukuoka region. I'm like, okay, I can get some from there too. So I'm more like a curator. And we also provide um, like wholesale uh, training uh, support um, for that. So I think, yeah, it's, I mean, when I have a brand, you have to think of um, doing, add some varieties um, to it. I can't just do serve one group of people. And that's what I learned during the past few years too. Um, I can't just focus on one market. I have to uh, diversify just like investment right you can't put all your money into real estate you have to have some like rsp or some stocks here and there uh, don't put all the eggs in the basket um, so same story here i have to diversify uh, my customer portfolio so i think wholesale wise it's definitely supporting uh, most of my because it's very uh, stable every every month um, and, but now with uh, the pandemic, when the wholesale drops, but then my online order picks up, so that will really make up to it. And I'm grateful, um, that I have a group of supportive, um, customers out there, uh, helping me. So yeah, it's a really interesting experience. And Kimmy, I'm sure there's a lot of other matcha stores online right there, there must be there's, there's competition everywhere you know mm-hmm. but um from your point of view you know how were you able to stand out from from the competition i don't need to i don't really need to stand out like that's i well the first year i i did feel very frustrated because people see me as like a competitor and sometimes they actually become a little bit hostile about it because no one wants to see a brand new, <laughs> you know, um, brand doing exactly what they do. Um, I actually had like competitors, uh, marketing, getting my price, like wholesale price from me um, or like follow my roots. When I contact influencer, then they follow the influencer as well. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, now I'm more relaxed about it. Um, I mean, there are so many, I mean, competition makes the product better. If there's no competition, there's no urge for me to uh, keep looking for the better products. Mm. Um, and I mean, the market is out there. There's no way I'm going to become Coca-Cola that everybody just keep buying. Even Coca-Cola, they have Pepsi and they have those store brands. Um, so now I don't let it get to me. I just do what I feel true to myself um, and what I feel was the best for my brand. Um, I rarely compare. I tell them the facts. Uh, if it's from different region and the reason why I don't source from that region, I do tell people some facts, uh, but I don't compare uh, strictly like, oh, their matcha is bad or my matcha is good because those are very subjective. Um, I may not like the flavor of that one, but that's my opinion. Um, if you like it, yeah, no problem, go ahead. Um, and sometimes if, for example, I'm running out of stock, I may refer them to, you know, some of my um, other matcha <laughs> colleagues or like business. Because, um, you know, we went to tea festivals and um, I meet with a lot of other teapreneurs um, and we, we make, I mean, most of the people are pretty chill about it. Um, some are not, <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty open. I'm more than willing to, um, you know, make the connection with them. So if there's any way that we can collaborate, um, I'm totally open for it. And speaking of, you know, um, the, the trade shows and stuff, was that your initial way to get your brand out there and, and to connect yeah. with people? Was it through going to these trade shows, would you say? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it's uh, not the best um, way to spend my time and money. Um, but I think for everyone that's wanting to start get a startup, uh, they have to because they attract a, a gi giant amount of people um, going. So for exposure wise, definitely you have to go through this um, and just make sure you utilize um, this platform, uh, collecting email uh, subscription. So now we have uh, quite a bit of uh, email subscriptions on our website. I think 50% are from uh, all the trade shows. You know, those like giveaways, then you put your email address in, enter to win. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people, they may unsubscribe afterwards when they realize they didn't win, uh, but some may stay, right? Some may still waiting to see maybe one day if they want to try matcha and if I'm doing a little bit like discount or like promotion, they will dive right in. So it's still a valuable um, database for me, uh, for my business too. That's amazing. And um, so you're saying, that for people that, that are wanting to start something um, similar, um, you would recommend doing trade shows, but you don't feel that it's the best way to get the word out there. Um, what do you no, say that? It's, yeah, it's the best way to get the word out there, okay. Uh, okay. but not necessarily the best outcome. Oh, I see. So you may not get your money back because when you go to trade show, you try to sell your product. And usually you cannot sell a lot of product at a trade show. And the cost of going to a trade show in convention center is very, very expensive. Um, but yeah, again, it's mostly for like a marketing purposes. 
Understood. Okay, me that that makes sense. So thank you for clarifying that. So for people listening, you know, it trade shows are, are a great way for you to get exposure. And mm-hmm. as Kemi mentioned, you know, it's it doesn't hurt to do a giveaway and have a way to collect people's contact information. And that way it gives you an excuse to follow up with them and reach out to them again. So in the event that, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road or, you know, they might have holidays coming up and they're thinking of giving a gift or something, they'll think mm-hmm. about you. So yeah, that's exactly. the value is there. You might not see the return right away but there's a long-term value in building relationships with these people yeah absolutely and kimmy you're you're doing like phenomenally well online you know you have a great website presence um all your photos look very professional (laughs) your social media is going very well um how were you able to figure out the online stuff kind of because you're doing it on your own so i'm um, I mean, my husband helps me a little bit with uh, the technical side of it. Uh, the website, I, when I first started, I reached out to a lot of like website designer, um, set up some phone calls, but in the end, I don't think they get it. Um, so yeah, so I ended up doing it myself. I just bought a theme, uh, Shopify, and just customize, play around with it. It's actually not too hard. I mean, Shopify is trying to um, make it easier um, for small business owners. So it's actually very, very user friendly. Um, I pretty much like we took everything ourselves. Um, of course, as a startup, I don't have a lot of money to spend. Um, so and by doing that, it's also my standard. So I don't have to ask people to revise like a million hundred times. Uh, so when I do it, when I feel happy about it, then yeah, it's, it, it's a go. Um, so yeah, it's still nowadays, any new products, we're doing the photo shoot ourselves. That's amazing. So when starting out, we're starting with anything. If you're on a tight budget, it's really important to learn everything yourself so you gain the knowledge and skills but also to save money right it's not you don't have a lot of unnecessary expenses that you have to consistently Mm -hmm. pay out um, and that way you can sustain yourself longer Um, and Kimmy talk to me a little bit more about partnerships because I know you do have uh, amazing partners that that you work with Um, how do you build meaningful partnerships with companies or cafes or restaurants um well by saying partners so basically there's the cafe partners that um basically they're our wholesale clients um but by saying partners because we offer them a lot of support um Mm. in like recipe development uh training um so those are the partners that's like supporting uh, my my brand, my business. Um, I also have a, a bakery partner that we're going to open a cafe together. Um, so that's a different partnership. <laughs> um, and and also, you know, the partners in Japan, um, the tea farm owners, they are all my partners. So, I mean, for whoever is in business, it's important to maintain those relationships and not trying to, you know, please anyone, just be authentic and very straightforward. 
um, if I um, doing like a cafe consultation, if they are interested in our product, um, I never try to sugarcoating my product. I tell them what it is, where is it from, uh, is the first harvest, uh, what are the differences between each grape. I lay out all the information and all the pricing as well. If they're like, okay, too expensive, sorry, then that's fine, right? Mm. I'm not trying to have to, they have to use my product or I have a heart feeling or something. Um, I think that's also very important um, lesson uh, for me to learn is just to uh, stay firm, um, stay true to myself. Um, and yeah, the, the uh, cafe partner wise is actually a pretty new uh, partnership. Um, so we partner up uh, in December and then we bought um, the existing uh, cafe business together and now planning everything as a partner together too. I've never had a business partner in my life. It's again, intimidating, <laughs> but I'm glad that it's, it's working out well uh, because we also have our own set of skills that uh, complements with each other. Um, I'm mostly the crazy and creative one and she's usually very grounded and she's also very hands-on uh, doing a lot of things while I'm having all the ideas coming out of my head. Um, so yeah, so other than my husband is who's, who has to be a partner, <laughs> who has to be a business partner of me, um, I think uh, learning to maintain another business partnership is something really valuable as well. I really hope you will work well. Um, and I'm learning a lot of things along the way. I can't just say whatever I want. Now I have to think twice, right? Like how that gonna affect our partnership. Um, so it's very different, you know, from me just throwing <laughs> things to my husband. I just can't do that <laughs> to, to, uh, to another business partner. So I have to keep the relationship professional um, as well. And Kimmy, I I'm, want to know, you know, how, how one can find these partnerships. Did you do a lot, a lot of outreach initially to kind of get your brand out? And, you know, when you're connecting with the, whether the cafes or the farmers um, in Japan to your current cafe partner, is it a lot of you going out there, putting yourself in front of different people, different opportunities? Um, to be able to find these partnerships? Yeah, I mean, tea farms is mostly just during my trips. Um, that's pretty straightforward. Um, for wholesale partners, it's actually the opposite. Because the first year, again, like I was so desperate to, um, to get some results. Um, so I keep, you know, um, going to cafes, handing out flyers and try to send out like 20 emails a day, not even one coming back. It's very discouraging. Um, so I think the moment I'm like, I just give up on this. Um, I'm not gonna approach any cafe or anything. I just focus on my online uh, retail. Um, and then they started coming to me. I don't know why. Um, so the, our first wholesale client, um, well, the major one is Tractor Foods. Um, so I know 
So it's from like friends, uh, not really friends, but like uh, someone I know through like networking events. Uh, and it's uh, her friends, friends connection. So it's like a circle there. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I really, I'm, I feel like I'm just lucky <laughs> to um, have, and nowadays, I mean, with our quality and also value, um, of matcha out there, I think I'm gradually building some reputation there. Uh, lots of referrals from my wholesale clients because they really, really like my products. Um, I'm definitely not the cheapest, not even the cheap one, uh, but they really see the value and also the support, the service I provide to them. And then they refer me to their other business um, connections. Um, so that really helped me a lot um, in that. So now I, I don't actively looking for new um, wholesale accounts. Of course, if people message me wanting to get some information, I'm more than happy to help them out. Yeah, but no more cold calls. I hate cold calls. I, I wanted to be, I actually wanted to be an insurance agent at one point in life. It failed miserably. I just can't call up my friends and ask them, oh, do you want to get a life insurance from me? Uh, no, no way. Um, as an introvert, I think I'm feeling very, very comfortable the way I am. Um, something I can push myself, um, definitely not cold calling. <laughs> And, and I think that's really important, Kimmy, is you've able to really be self-aware of what you're good at, what mm. you enjoy doing, and be able to focus on that aspect um, mm. instead of trying to overcome or trying to make things work, you know, with something that you don't like or enjoy or aren't comfortable doing. So, yeah, um, it's just me. I mean, I still encourage people to conquer their fear and do something out of their comfort zone. I, I did many times, like I really don't like going to networking events, but I forced myself to do so. Um, and uh, I, I will probably still keep going. Um, but yeah, I have to do, I have to know my bottom line and where I should push and stop pushing. <laughs> yeah. And are there any, you know, good networking events that you recommend people go to if they're locally from Vancouver? Um, yeah, depends on your market. It really, uh, different markets have different like networking. Um, and sometimes you go once, you will know if it's a good fit for you, right? And also you have to see the people going if they're potentially gonna bring some value to your brand too. If there's any way to collaborate. Um, I love to collaborating with local brands, like other brands. Like we did so many collaborations over the year um, with like chocolate tea, uh, with the yogurts, with like you know, cheesecake, whatever. Um, and yeah, I know them from um, all from like networking events. Um, but yeah, again, I don't just go to any networking events. I have to do a lot of research if it's worth the time for me to go. And again, as an introvert, I barely talk <laughs> during any uh, networking event. So I usually prefer to um, like a sponsor um, some matcha. So at least we can get the conversation going, right? If they're not interested in matcha at all, they may just not come to talk to me. Um, and if they do, then we can, you know, have something in common to chat. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really important. Again, there's, you know, a lot of great sites like meetup.org where you can find a bunch of meetups or Eventbrite too. 
Um, but it's really important to, to see if it's, again, worth your time going meeting, are you meeting the right potential clients or partners? Um, and if there's any way that, you know, you can collaborate together, because if not, then it would just be a waste of time for people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that you identify that in terms mm -hmm. of picking out the networking events that you go to. Um, before we wrap up here, Kimmy, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, how you've been able to really grow your online presence. Um, what do you say is your focus on having a great Instagram page and growing it organically through followers? Or did you do some advertising, you know, like on Facebook or Google? Like, Yeah, I started uh, with Facebook ads um, over Instagram because I feel like Instagram people just scrolling through. They are not necessarily really get engaged because there are so many posts out there. Um, so I, before I usually do a Facebook ads because um, it's something, you know, people really spend their own time updating their um, things. And when they look it, they will, and they give me more like detailed reports. I think now it's more or less the same because the same company now. Uh, but before, definitely I prefer Facebook over uh, Instagram. Uh, now I don't do any ads at all, uh, other than Google. Uh, so uh, the, the Google ads, whoever, again, wants to get business, you have to set up a Google ads account. You don't have to have like a giant budget. Like for me, even right now, we still have like, you know, $50 budget a month for Google ads. Um, they charge per click, but it's super effective. Uh, it bring you, up, especially if you're like a newer company, it really bring you up uh, to the top. Um, but yeah, maintaining an Instagram page, I think that brings a lot of traffic, especially now people are self-quarantined and <laughs> they have nothing to do now but drinking matcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Instagram is now um, a very good source of me sharing information. Um, I've never been stingy about sharing my information. Uh, sometimes, you know, my Friends will say, oh, you share too much. What if your you know, competitor copy your recipe? Or I'm like, it's okay because my matcha is different, right? Same recipe, if you use different matcha, it turned out differently. Mm. Um, and people still have the choice of going for like a cheaper one if they want to. Um, so I maintain my Instagram page mostly for sharing information and connecting um, personally with my customers. Um, and it, it takes a lot of time <laughs> to come to uh, where we are. We're still a, a pretty small with just a little over 8,000 followers. But yeah, those are organic, authentic. Um, not through like a whole bunch of giveaways. I did, you know, do a little bit of giveaway here and there with the people I love and trust. Um, but where I'm not, again, um, rushing it to become like archaeologist, for example, have like millions of followers. Um, even I do, I don't feel comfortable, you know, um, matching up my supplies and boosting up my manufacturers. You know, that's just not what I feel comfortable. I still like to stay um, high quality and small and again, authentic. So uh, if I get more followers uh, interested in learning uh, what I do, yeah, I really appreciate and grateful, yeah, for my followers um, stacking with me for so many years now. That's, that's really amazing, Kimmy, for you to really be focused on 
where you are at and your comfort zone and knowing that, you know, you rather be small, but authentic and, and really connect with all your followers or customers instead of being a bigger brand, because that's not what you're chasing after and mm-hmm. you're not really comparing yourself with anyone. So I think that's really amazing. And Kimmy, again, when starting off, you, you try to bootstrap everything, right? So I'm assuming, you know, you learned all this on your own and you're managing like your posts, your, your ads, everything on your own as well um yeah pretty much That's um, important. yeah i do i do follow some really good other accounts um see you know the product angle the flat lay how to you know make it more engaging now i'm trying to learn more about like videos because uh people like to you know watch like little tutorial videos that's also something i want to do opens I want to do like a daily updates um, what's the special you know drink of the day something like that yeah I think it's a great platform and Kimmy tell me a little bit more about this cafe shop you know what what's kind of in the works and I, I know there's the the with the whole situation going on right now um, but when are you planning on on having a soft launch and um, yeah so we took over um, this cafe uh march 1st um so it's actually going through a substantial renovation right now um which is not a too bad of the timing <laughs> um at least while we're still paying rent but um, that renovation has to happen so now probably it's a good time to let it happen without me feeling i'm losing a lot of opportunities out there um so i think the renovation is towarding the end we're just finishing up um, some like moving equipment in. Um, so probably in another month or so, um, we still need to get the inspection from the city, make sure we're all good to go. And I know that's kind of delayed um, nowadays. So yeah, I think in about yeah another month, we should be able to um, open uh, and wait and see, you know, what the situation and OPC is doing great. Um, so I'm positive and having a slow start is actually more beneficial. So I have more time to train my staff, um, find my, my menu and recipes. It's a lot. Um, and also like the um, operation procedure, uh, work safe, a lot of things to do. Payrolls, <laughs> taxes, setting up different accounts. Um, so it really buys me a lot of time uh, to do that um, with the time I have at home, really focus on um, the upcoming. It, it's, it's a big undertake. It's, um, I've never, I did a couple of pop-ups before, but this is having like 100% like full-time cafe. It's, it's no joke. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lie if I say I'm not stressed out, but <laughs> um, just focus on what I need to do and yeah, get things done. That's, that's awesome, Kimmy. And you know, you mentioned you have uh, some really great drinks that you have planned for people like the matcha lemonade. I'm, I'm excited to try. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the, the, the pastry side of things, is there uh, anything that, that, you know you might think people should look forward to to try um yeah i definitely recommend to uh, come for the uh, the competition great match experience 
Um, I bought some really, really high-end uh, Japanese bowls. They're like $500 each. Um, so I really want to um, let people know this is not just a couple fee. And this is really appreciation um, and experience. Uh, and that what really set us apart from anyone else um, out there. Uh, our focus just match. Uh, I don't do any other like crazy teas. I, I do gonna have, um, I'm actually gonna collaborate with a local tea brand um, curating our uh, high-grade loose leaf. Um, so again, that's not my specialty. So I, you know, give it to whoever is expert. So my focus is to um, uh, matcha. So I strongly recommend for whoever is interested, again, in learning high-grade matcha, come and try this um, the experience here. Um, it's a small cafe. It doesn't have a lot of seatings, um, but I try to accommodate um, everyone who's interested in. Um, but again, we do have a lot of yeah fun drinks like matcha mojitos, well, virgin, <laughs> um, and also a matcha latte from different regions. So not just the regular uh, Uji, the Kyoto matcha that we have. Uh, I'm also getting a lot of uh, matcha from Yamei at Fukuoka. So it's a different region. It tastes amazing. It's very different uh, from the matcha from Kyoto. So people can also try that and compare. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's what was in my mind. I'm sure I will uh, change that. I'm keep, I'm keep cutting my menu uh, offerings. Because I'm like, oh, what if this recipe is not 100%? Yeah, I don't want to put it there. Um, I want to polish and I mean, now the menu I have is already pretty good for everybody to try. Um, so I will gradually, you know, add more items onto the menu as we go. Uh, yeah, so I don't get so overwhelmed with uh, those experiments. Yeah, Kimmy, thank you again for, you know, sharing with us your journey today. I mean, it's really amazing what you've been able to accomplish, you know, considering the fact that you have two kids, right? And I'm sure you're already busy enough uh, with them, but you had this passion um, and, you know, really interest of, of yours in matcha and you took a chance and, and an opportunity to really go off on your own um, and try something new. And we learned a, a lot about matcha today, um, about um, the whisk, the special whisk that you must have about your journey of going abroad to Japan, to visiting all these tea farms and, and to everything about how to you know have a great brand presence online and how to build partnerships and collaborations with people. So thank you for sharing all of that with us today, Kimmy. Um, the most important thing is how can people um, get in touch with you or follow you if, if they wanna stop by and say hi when they go visit your cafe when it opens or if they have more questions about um, being a matcha connoisseur, you know, how can people find you? I mean, um, our location is at 39 Kingsway. Um, so it's just around the corner of Main Street and Kingsway um, where the clock is. Um, so in about a month or so, um, if um, any of the viewers are local, they feel free to go check it out. Um, of course, always follow our Instagram is whiskamachaybr um, or um, email me. So it's kimi at whiskamacha.ca. And I'm an OCD on replying email. I have to make sure all the emails are replied before the end of the day. So any question, email me and yeah, you will hear back from me. 
Perfect, Kimmy. Thank you again for your time. And uh, I can't wait to come by and try out some matcha treats and drinks. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me, John. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a nice day, Kimmy. Yeah, you too. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee.